said a lot of people are like a straight pin. They're pointed in one direction and headed in another. And uh, I want to be headed in the direction I'm pointed, don't you? Amen. I want to be saved when this life is over. Thank God. Well, uh, I want to get right into the word of the Lord today. And uh, I just have a lesson, subject, thought, whatever you want to call it, on my heart that uh, I felt impressed of the Lord to talk to you about. And uh, I've talked about it a time or two before, but uh, I may preach this everywhere I go. I don't, I don't, but I might. I might start because it is so important and vital for we as the people of God. Not that I have the corner on it, but it's just God's Word, and I trust that it will bless somebody and help you. Now, if this message doesn't touch your life today, I promise you someday and in some way, it will touch your heart. Praise God. I want the Lord to touch me and to guide me and direct me. I want to be saved, and I want to see other folks saved. Do you want to see somebody else saved? Praise God. Now, this is just me, and I don't expect your preacher to do it, and I don't expect nobody else to do it. This is me, okay? This is just, this is just Brother Coon. And there ain't but one, I started to say, well, I got a nephew preaching. I started to say there ain't but one Coon in Louisiana. But there's two coons that's preaching now. So this is just this coon, okay? Not another rest of you coons. All right? I go see an old man in my church. He's sick, and he said, how's my old coon doing? I said, you're the old coon. I'm not. And uh, so this is, this, this is just for this coon, nobody else. And uh, I, I want people in our area to be saved. So I, I wrote me some tracts. I don't know if you'd call them any good or not, but I wrote me some. Had them all published printed and uh, paid for it myself and I bought me some I got four or five in there to a uh, home Bible study track that I got from headquarters and three or four tracks Bible reading chart a nice letter from our church we had printed put it in a in a little litter bag that's got a large hole in it put the name of our church on it's got on the front it's got an important message inside for you and it's got our church name and I am in the process, I'm not through yet, but I'm in the process of knocking on every door in LaSalle Parish and inviting everybody in our parish to our church. Now, I'm not going around our other neighboring churches that's out in the country. If you've ever been to LaSalle Parish, it is full of Bramer cows and Piney Woods rooters. And if you don't know what they are, well, see me after church. And woods and roads and pig trails and you name it. And I've been out. I've got the whole northeast corner of our parish covered. And uh, I've knocked on a few hundred doors. And that's a lot of driving and a lot of talking and, you know, all of that. Brother Tenney knows something about that part of the country. I've been chased by dogs. My God, everybody in LaSalle Parish got a coon dog. <laughs> I, I've been chased by dogs. And uh, <laughs> coon dog, I'm telling you, you have never seen a coon up a tree. So help me, I, I never saw so many coon dogs in all my life. I'm telling you, <clears throat> you can put me on this if you want to. I've never seen so many coon dogs. And uh, one got after me and I took off running, I, and that's the silliest thing you can do, I guess. But I run, and uh, I'm scared of dogs. I got dog bit one time, 
I was playing with some kids and they had a dog and they thought the dog thought I was hurting the kids and I started running from the dog. The dog bit me as I was running. <laughs> and ever since then, I've been scared of dogs. And uh, my Lord, I've been chased by dogs. I've been, oh, watch it, watch it, watch it. I've been, I've been chased by everything. In fact, I got, I, I got a hog after me one day. Now, believe it or not, I got a hog after me. And, and it went all over the place. I knocked on these people's door. Brother Tenny was rooting up my pants leg. And I went, I went and got in the car, finally got away from the hog. And I got in the car and so helped me. God's little pig, and it, it was getting up in the car with me. I had to kick it out of the car and shut the door. Now, you city slickers, that just blows your mind. I know that. Amen. But that's, the, that's my town. That's where I work. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, I know them people up in New York's got a problem. We was talking about that a little bit ago. But you ought to come to LaSalle Parish. We got a unique situation. I've been chased by everything but people. I might get that before we get through. But, you know, I've enjoyed that. And uh, I want to see people in my parish saved. Praise God. You say, well, why don't you delegate all that? <laughs> well, and everybody, we got a lot of smart people in our country. But they, most of them don't know what that word means. And so I don't use it. Brother Vanover, <laughs> he's been over there a few years. So that delegating, you know, maybe y'all can help me. That delegating don't work every time. Well, y'all don't act so quiet. It don't. It don't work on some of y'all. Amen. Just, just don't work. But uh, I just, I didn't want to delegate it to anybody. I just wanted a Pentecostal preacher to knock on people's door and invite them to church. And I'm enjoying doing that. I want to be saved, and I want somebody else to be saved. Praise God. So I'm not here to hurt you, hinder you. I'm here to try to help you today. So let's go to the Word of God. You've been standing a few minutes, but stand while we read in Isaiah chapter 9 and Matthew chapter 11. Let's read together again. Isaiah chapter 8, verses 13 and 14. Matthew chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. <clears throat> Isaiah 8 and Matthew uh, chapter 11. Read with me. Isaiah 8 and 13. Sanctify the Lord of hosts himself, and let him be your fear, and let him be your dread. And he shall be for a sanctuary, but for a stone of stumbling, and for a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel, for a gin and for a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Matthew 11, 1 through 6. Let's read again together. And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. God bless you. You may be seated. And I want to say before I mention my subject today, uh, I apologize uh, to our good video man. And if Brother Sassman was here, he would call him the video man. 
But uh, I, I told somebody I hoped he had a grease fitting on that thing because he's going to wear it out trying to chase all us around. But uh, maybe he'll be patient with us. And I forget it's on. I'm not, uh, I'm not trying to move around up here for him to film me, but um, I just I forget all of that and just uh, get excited. So you, you look over that, okay? Uh, notice Jesus sent this word to John in verse 6 of Matthew 11. He said, Blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Now, I want to preach today or teach today on the subject of the forgotten beatitude. The forgotten beatitude. Let me take just a moment here. And uh, I know that uh, some of you are taking notes, some of you are not. But let me describe a little bit of my subject in a little more detail so that you will understand what I'm talking about. First of all, the word blessed or blessed, whichever way you pronounce it, is a commonly used word and often talked about word in the Scripture. And uh, we, we often mention the fact that these are the Beatitudes. Whenever Jesus says that you are blessed, uh, he is talking about the Beatitudes. And when we think of Beatitudes, we often think of those in Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are they that mourn, blessed are the meek, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are the peacemakers, and on and on. He gives us the nine Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. And we often think that there's only nine, and we preach about them and study about them when, in essence, we oftentimes overlook the Beatitude of Matthew 11 and 6, which is the forgotten Beatitude, or I want to term it as the forgotten Beatitude because Jesus used the word blessed here. Blessed is he that is not offended in me. Now, the word blessed is often interpreted and translated, especially in modern translations. It is often translated happy. And that is almost the exclusive use of the word blessed in our modern-day uh, uh, language and vernacular and linguistics often refer to this word in that particular category. But if you will make a little bit of a research of the word blessed, you will find not only does it mean happy, but it has a deeper connotation. It means that you are supremely blessed. And here is two things I would like for you to remember about it. Another one is that you are fortunate and also that you are well off. So when you are blessed of God and uh, this blessedness of these beatitudes becomes yours, it is more than just something to make you happy. You are well off and you are fortunate if it exists in your life. I want you to keep that in mind. Now, let me point out to you why I say that. Jesus said, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Another place he said, Blessed are ye are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. I don't think it would be an apt illustration and uh, a perfect translation to say that we are happy when we are persecuted. Happiness does not 
bring, our persecution rather does not bring happiness. But I do believe that I could say today in the light of the meaning of this word that you're still well off if you are persecuted for righteousness sake. You may not be happy, but you are fortunate. You are supremely blessed of God. Amen. And I want the blessing of the Lord in my life today, and I know that you want the blessing of God. So every beatitude does not make us happy, but we're still well off in the eyes of God if we can accept what God allows in our lives. Amen. Now, let me, and this is a very simple one, and I know you, you probably know the meanings of these words already. I'm not trying to belabor the point, but I want to lay a good, solid foundation here so that you will know where I'm going. Uh, Jesus used the word offend here. Blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Now, the word offend means uh, to have an occasion to fall or to stumble. It means anything that offends. It can something to trip you up or to trap you. That's what it means to be offended. Now, I imagine, I, I don't really know, but I've got a sneaking suspicion that most everybody in this building has been offended at one time or another. Have you ever stumbled a little bit, staggered over something? Has anything ever bothered you, or am I the only one that's the culprit and fallen into that? Has that ever happened? Sure it has. And I, I think I would probably be, be safe in saying this, that most of us have offended people before. Is that right? And God knows the biggest portion of that is not intentional, but in spite of our best efforts, sometimes we offend. Amen. And there is so much in life to offend us especially in this day and time. And I, I want you to hear what I'm saying today. If you can be tripped up and trapped and caused to be, uh, to, or be caused to stumble, it's going to happen in life. The devil's going to see to it that something tries you. Amen. But thank God we do not have to fail because we are offended. Amen. Now, can I just throw in a little extra pastoral advice here in this message today that I think would apply to all of us? There's two people involved here, uh, in essence, when you talk about offense. One of them is the offended, and the other is the offender. Amen. How do you handle offenses? Now, I've taught on this in my church. How do we handle offenses? Jesus said it's impossible, but they're going to come. You're going to get uh, into a situation of uh, being offended sometime. Something's going to bother you. Now, don't look so sanctified and holy. My God, y'all making me feel bad. Amen. That just happens in life. Amen. So, what do we do when we are offended or we are the offender? What do we do? Let me just sum it up briefly like this. If you are the offender, if you cause an offense, and you know that you cause it, the best thing for you to do when you find it out is to go to the one that you have offended, apologize, repent, ask for forgiveness, and try not to do that again. Amen. Now, that's just the simple basics of it. If you have been offended, now, uh, you may fall into the category when you are offended that somebody will repent, and then again, they may never repent. 
Amen. You can hurt people's feelings and don't know you hurt it, so, uh, you know, that you got a problem there. Uh, you don't know that you offend somebody. And so you have to deal with that particular thing. If you are offended, the best thing that you can do, and, and the Bible teaches us in, in this particular area, brethren, avenge not yourselves. The best thing that you can do is, is to forgive, even though you have never been asked for forgiveness. The best thing you can do is come to the altar or find you a place of prayer. And, and I'm going to be honest with you, you may have to go more than once. That's right. We often preach, just take it up here to the altar and just lay it up there and forget it. Well, that sounds good. That sounds good, but it don't work every time. Or it don't work for me. Sometimes I got to come back several times because my the cogs get to turning up here and I get to reliving that and you know uh, I, I I take it to court and try it and judge it and pass sentence on it and still don't have anything solved it's all a futility of thought but then I have to come back and come back but I found this out that if I keep going to God I'm gonna get over anything that ever offends me if I'll just keep seeking God and keep praying and keep talking to God amen so if you get offended brother don't walk out on God don't quit the church don't despise the person that's offended you don't try to get vengeance on them but forgive them and love God and go on and be saved in the end hallelujah there's going to be problems to try you in this life amen all kinds of things happen some of them are silly and some of them are not so silly but they just happen and brother Tenney probably knows more about that than any of us but they just happen it just comes along in life. And uh, you can fall out over it, you can get in trouble over it, or you can straighten it out and go on and have a good time in life. Amen. <clears throat> I remember uh, several years ago, we had a couple in our church. <clears throat> the woman had been married, her husband had died. The man had been married, and he had separated from his wife, and this was all while they was out in sin. And so they come into the church, and they decided to get married. Now, I didn't marry them, but uh, they got someone else to marry them. I tell our people I'll marry two saints, two sinners, or two hypocrites, but I don't mix them up. And uh, that's about the way I work. And uh, so I didn't marry them at this particular juncture, but they got married. He had kids, she had kids, and then they had a kid. And they'd had some problems along the road of life. And I had to talk with them and try to help them in a uh, few situations. And I knew there was potential problems in the family. One day the telephone rung and the lady said, Brother Coon. I said, yes, I recognized her voice. She said, we're fixing to get a divorce. I said, uh-oh. You know, all my wise counseling sound like it gone down the drain. And uh, so... Uh, I said, is that right? She said, yes, we're getting a divorce, but I just called to tell you we've been talking about it, and we think we ought to come over and talk to you before we get the divorce. I said, I think it would be a good idea. And so, now both of them have got the Holy Ghost, so uh, they, they say, okay, we'll be to the house in just a few minutes. If you don't mind us coming to your house, I said, fine, come on over. So uh, I waited in a few minutes, the doorbell rung, and I went to the door. And have you ever seen anybody when they get mad or get nervous or especially ladies. Now, I'm not picking on you ladies, but it happens sometimes, and I've seen it several times. Uh, ladies, sometimes they get red spots on their face, you know, or neck or forehead or something. 
when they get mad or they get upset. Now, if that happens to you, I know you can't help it. You know, a lot of things happen to people when they get mad. But when I opened the door, I could tell they'd been fussing all the way to the house, and she had red spots. She was one of these kind that had red spots when she got mad. And so I knew, I knew that trouble was going on. So they come inside, getting ready to get a divorce, and, and I, I seated them on the couch, and I sat down where I could watch them, and here we are. And, and I'm going to be the wise marriage counselor. I'm going to try to save this marriage. And they start. They get in a fuss, and they get to going, you know. And I've monitored, seemed like a thousand of them. And here they get to going, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And uh, <clears throat> so you're not going to tell me what to do. And you, I am. You're going to do this, and you're not going to do that. And so what the big argument was over was this. They lived out in the country a little bit, and they was arguing over door-to-door -door salesman and she said now when any door-to-door -door salesman comes to the house and he's got things that he's selling that I need I'm gonna buy it he said no you're not I'm not living with a woman that buys from a door-to-door -door salesman I'm telling you you're not buying from her. she said let me tell you something I live by myself for so many years I can live by myself again and you're not gonna tell me what to do and so here they went eh, blah 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 you know the story and uh, to make a long story short, I listened to them for about an hour. And then I got the picture, you know. I, I got it all figured out in just a little bit. That what was happening, all these door-to-door -door salesmen was coming by. And she was buying all this stuff, and he couldn't pay for it. So I had that one figured out pretty good. So in a minute, I asked him, I, or asked her, I said, now, what is it? I said, now, let's really get down to the heart of this thing. I said, the real problem is, apparently, that you can't say no to a salesman and you buy everything they're selling. Is that right? And she looked at me just as startled, and I'll never forget her answer. She said, why, Brother Coon? She said, there ain't never been a door-to-door -door salesman in our house yet. But she said, if they come, I'm going to buy from them. I'll tell you that. I said, I think both of you are crazy. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> now, isn't that something to be upset about? Fussing over salesmen and none has ever showed up yet. Now, the reason that's so funny, y'all fuss about stuff just about that silly. And we all do sometimes about things that really doesn't make much difference. But, brother, you can get in trouble over the smallest of things sometimes. Get offended. Get your feelings hurt. And, oh, everything's going wrong. Isn't that right? Amen. I had a lady one time come up to me in church, one of the best ladies in the church, and she said, I want to know, and I, she was a little mad. She said, I want to know what you got against me. She was shaking her finger at me. I'd never seen her do this. I was shocked. I said, well, I don't have anything against you. Don't, don't you stand there and lie to me. <laughs> well, that shocked me a little more. I said, well, well, you know, I'm not lying. I said, I don't have a thing against you. She said, now, Brother Coon, don't tell me that when I know better. And I said, well, what you talking about? I said, I don't have a thing against you. She said, oh, yes, you do. Said, you, you've had something against me for a long time. And I said, well, what is it? I said, now, honest. I, and, I, and I was so shocked. I said, honest, I don't know what you're talking about. She said, well, I'm fixing to remind you. I said, okay, please do. And she said, you remember about six months ago when Brother So-and-so preached for us? I said, yes, I remember it very well. She said, well, I'm going to tell you what happened. 
and I've been upset about it ever since. She said, one night while we was having church and something was going on, song service or something, you leaned over and told brother so-and-so and called his name. You told him something about me. And y'all both looked at me and just died laughing. And she said, what I'm worried about is what did you tell him about me that was so funny? And I said, oh, here we go again. I said, so help me God. I said, I've never told an evangelist anything about you. And I've never looked at you in church and laughed at you. She said, now, Brother Coon, don't tell me that. I said, absolutely, I am as positive as I've ever been in my life. I have never said anything like that uh, or done anything like that to you. She said, are you sure? I said, I'm 100% sure. I said, I have nothing against you. I've never said anything against you. I said, why do you feel that way? And she said, well, I saw that happen. And she said, for six months, I haven't been able to sleep. She said, I've had bad feelings toward you. I've been upset to no end. And she said, I thought you knew it. I said, I didn't know a thing about it. And I said, I'm sorry that you felt that way. I said, it's nothing but the devil that's putting something in your mind. What I'm saying to you today is this. If you don't watch it, there is a devil that can come along and put things in your mind and in your heart and cause you to feel bad at the kingdom of God. Amen. Oh, God, help us today. I don't want to get offended in the work of God. Amen. But let me tell you something, and I'm going to try to hurry uh, a little bit, not too much, but I will try a little bit uh, for the sake of time. Let me, let me say this to you. There is something that we, we all encounter and we face that we may not think sometimes that we do face. There is an offense in our lives that can come that we don't imagine will come and we don't think will come. And it's not a part of our makeup to accuse and to think and to feel, but it can become an inward emotion, an inward feeling, a thought of the heart, and it can cause us to stumble and to fail and to lose out with God. And Jesus Christ zeroed in on it in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 11. He said, Blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Listen to me, friend. Whether you believe it or not, it is possible to get offended at God. It is possible to get to the place that the things of God and the work of God becomes a place of stumbling for you. Amen. You say, Brother Coon, I don't think the Lord is that way. Listen, I read to you in the book of Isaiah that the Lord can stand as a signet in our lives in, in two particular areas and ways. Number one, he can be a sanctuary. And number two, he can become a stumbling stone. Uh, the sanctuary is a hiding place. He can become a hiding place for us. But listen, brother, whether you believe it or not, or I won't accept it or not, we can stumble over the Lord. Amen. We can get offended in him, and we can get to the place that we don't really feel that God has been fair to us. Amen. Let me point out to you 
the setting of our scripture text today and as it relates to John the Baptist. Here's John. You know the story, and I'll, I'll spare you the details. But he has preached against uh, the sin of Herod and Herodias, and he is now in the prison cell. Remember who John is. He's the cousin of Jesus Christ. His name has been miraculously given to him. His birth was miraculous, and he is the forerunner of Jesus Christ. He is Elias that was to come in spirit, especially so. And uh, here he is, the forerunner of Christ, the one that baptized Jesus Christ, his own flesh and blood after the flesh, that is. And you understand that. Here is John the Baptist. He's been out preaching. He's been out baptizing. He come uh, and did what he was sent to do <coughs> in his ministry and in his work. But today... We find him in a jailhouse, in a prison cell, ready to face death in just a little while. And uh, I can see him there in his disillusioned, discouraged state, or whatever you want to call it. You see, John was promised three signs, and he had only seen one of them. He was promised that the one that you see the dove descend upon will be the spirit baptizer. And then he's going to baptize with the Holy Ghost and with fire. His fan is in his hand. He's going to purge his floor. Brother Tenney preached about that. John had only seen the dove. He had not seen the spirit baptism yet. He had not seen the fan in the master's hand and the purging of the floor. He had not seen all of that. So here he is, disillusioned, discouraged, in jail, preaching the gospel and introducing the kingdom of God. He is in despair. His life is in shambles in his emotions and in his feelings and in his heart. He doesn't really know what to do. And so he sends some of his disciples down to his cousin down to the Messiah, the one that he had baptized. And he addresses the question, are you the one that is to come, or do we look for another? Jesus sent him a word back, and he said, you go back and you tell John this, that the blind are seeing, the lame are walking, the lepers are being cleansed, deaf folks are hearing, even the dead people are raised up, and the gospel is being preached to the poor. Now that sounds good, and that is good, and that is miraculous. But when you tell John all the great things that I'm doing, here's one last word for him. You tell him, blessed is he that is not offended in me. Now, why did Jesus send him that word? You know why Jesus sent him that word? The Lamb of God, the Savior of the world, the one that was healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out devils. You know what he was going to do? He was going to stand over here to the side and do absolutely nothing and let his own cousin die at the hands of an adulteress. A woman that was hell-bound, unless she changed somewhere along the road, and was a vile, wretched sinner. The Savior of the world was going to stand over to the side and let his own distant flesh and blood, his own forerunner, his own baptizer, he was going to let him die in a dirty prison cell and his head be served on a charger, publicly humiliated, and to die a death of an infamous man. He was going to let it all happen to John the Baptist. But to that same John, he said to him, I can raise the dead. I can heal the sick. I can do all of these 
these mighty things. Good, Lord. What you going to do for me? I'm not going to do nothing for you. I'm going to let you die. I'm going to raise up a widow woman's boy. I'm going to open prison doors for people that are not near as famous as you. That's what he was saying, Brother Vanover. Now, listen to me. This Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. In his deity, he was the one that spoke to Zacharias and give them that promised child or that son by the name of John. His own relatives, his own kinfolks. You think Jesus didn't love John? Sure he loved John. Let me ask you something. Did he have the power to get him out of that jailhouse? Yes, he did. He told him, said, I can raise the dead. And they are being raised. How come you don't get me out, Jesus? Why don't you do something for me? My God, I baptized you. I'm your cousin. I'm a miracle myself, as you are a miracle. Why don't you do something for me? But you go tell John, John, you're going to be well off, buddy. You're going to be extremely fortunate, John. You're going to be doing good if you don't get offended in me. You hear what I'm saying today? Why was Jesus telling him such thing? Why was he saying that? I'm going to tell you why he was saying that. He knew what was going to happen to John, and John knew what was probably facing him. But what he was saying is this, John, you trust me, and you love me, and you hold on to me regardless of what I do. You let me run my business like I want to run it. You let things in life take its course. But the thing that I want you to do, John, is to not get offended in the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want you to stumble over him. Hear me today, friend. It is absolutely possible for us to get offended in him today. Whenever we see the work of God and we know he's got the power, we know he's got the ability, we know he loves us, but he don't seem to do anything for us. I'm telling you, brother, that can blow your mind if you don't watch it. Amen. Amen. That's somewhat disturbing. Now, please understand the context and frame of reference that I'm saying this in. A lot of times, our preaching of ideals and our experience are two different things. Amen. I can preach to you... Uh, a plateau and a plain up here that I'd like to walk on and I'd like for you to walk on, but we don't walk there very much. Praise God. I'd like for all of you to leave here with a halo over your head, go out on the job shouting and talking in tongues and winning everybody and witnessing everybody, and I'd like for you to walk out of here and tell you I'd like to preach Reverend Ike's message that you're all going to pray up a Cadillac and everybody's going to be well and everybody's going to get rid of their crutches and their wheelchairs and their sickness and the lame's all going to be healed and the hospitals is going out of business and everybody that professes salvation, everything's going to be fine. I wish that was the way it is but it's not that way my friend but you hear me today because it's not I'm still not going to get mad at God I still believe God knows what he's doing and he still loves us hallelujah and he's going to care for us today hallelujah hallelujah 
Praise God. This may not suit where you want to be, but it fits right where you're living, my friend, and it fits where I'm living at. Maybe I've lived too long. Maybe I've got too much gray hair. But listen, life is just, I don't mean to be rude, it's just blood, guts, and thunder. It's just tough. You can have a whole lot of Holy Ghost, but you're still getting wrangles. You still get mad. You still have problems. Bills still come due. Young'uns still squall and fight. Amen. Hallelujah. Saints do. Kids do. And preachers do. We all live in a common world of difficulty and problems and sickness and hurt and disappointments. I don't know why Je Jesus didn't go and get John out of prison. I cannot tell you that. I don't have the answers for all of that, but I do know this today. You're going to be well off if you don't get offended in Jesus Christ. We forget that beatitude sometimes. We forget that part of life. Listen, I don't know why James and John were beheaded and the apostle Peter was delivered out of the prison. I don't understand that. I don't know why some was victors of their faith and some was victors of their faith. I cannot understand that. I don't know why God didn't give you the Holy Ghost. He didn't save you, boy. He didn't heal you, body. He didn't give you a good car. He didn't give you a good job. I can't understand all of that. But I know this. God is on the throne, and he knows what's best in our lives today. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Now, nobody would ever stand up in church and say, y'all pray for me. I'm upset at the Lord. You wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do it either. But listen, I'm going to get down to where our feelings are at. Most of our problems, and this is not a psychology lesson, most of our problems are between our ears. And, and let me just digress to say this, that if you ever fall, you'll fall in your mind first. This may not suit your doctrine, but it's the truth anyway. The one place that the devil has access to is your mind. Now, you can cleanse your thoughts, but you can't keep thoughts from coming in. They come. I don't care how much you pray. I don't care how sanctified you get. You're going to get up and be walking around, and something's going to bombard your brain that you're going to think about doing that's going to shock you that you even thought it. And you're going to wonder, what in the name of God am I doing thinking like this? And if you don't watch it, that thing will eat you up and destroy you. You can get mad at people that's never done a thing to you in your mind. You got an imagination as big as a blue mule. And you don't want it, but you got it. And everybody else has got one. Would this shock you if I said this? I was driving down, I'm, I might have said it before, but I'll say it. I was driving down the road one day. And all of a sudden, I noticed I was going about 75 or 80, and I was as mad as I could be. And I was mad at a fella. And me and him was having a big conversation. We was in a big fuss. And I was in the car by myself. <clears throat> and when I come to myself, I had the steering wheel real tight, and my hands was just sweating. And my, my mouth was screwed up. And I, I, my, I, was, I was just talking. And, and several miles back down the road, somebody slipped in the car seat beside me and told me something. 
And I said, I'm not putting up with that. And they told me something else. I said, bless God, I'm past this church, not you. And he told me something else. And I said, I'll have you to know so-and-so. He said, I'll have you to know so-and-so. We got in a big fuss. The more we fussed, the faster I drove. The faster I drove, the more I clenched the steering wheel. And the matter I got. And the fellow, so help me, God has never said one cross word to me or never done anything. You know what was causing that? Nothing but the pure devil. And when I got to thinking, I just laughed at myself, and I said, Crawford Coon, how silly can you get? I said, I rebuked that silly thought out of my mind. The devil's just trying to accuse my brethren. That's a good man, and I rebuked that spirit in Jesus' name. I'm not going to entertain that. Hear me today. Brother, we have a battle up here sometimes in thinking about things and dealing with things, and the devil knows how to put that little subtle thought on the inside. Amen. You can feel you've been slighted, and nobody slights you. You can come to church, and, and if you come just a little bit down, oh, the devil, he knows that. I don't know how he knows it, but he knows it. If you're a preacher and you come here down, and we all come down sometimes, and brother, listen, just a pat on the back helps sometimes. Mark Twain said, I can live on one good compliment two months. <laughs> Hallelujah. I don't know if I can make it that long or not, but it helps. But you know, you go to church if you're a preacher, if you're a saint or whatever, and you really need a pat on. I guarantee you if you're in that spot, Brother Tenny, he'll come by, he'll, he'll walk right by you, and with something on his mind, won't speak to you. And the devil will say, uh-huh, I told you he didn't like you. He didn't shake your hand. Mm-hmm. You know, I've heard saints say, I met somebody going down the road the other day, and I just wonder what in the world they got against me. They wouldn't even wave. And I just waved going 75 miles an hour, and somebody didn't see it. And the devil goes to work, and they don't like me, they don't like me, they don't like me. And you get to church, and, it, and, and the devil just sets it all up. You go when you're feeling down, and nobody will shake your hand. Nobody appreciates you. Nobody loves you. And if you don't watch it, you'll leave swelled up like a toad frog, and you'll say, I'm not ever going back again. Nobody loves me. What's wrong? It's nothing but the devil trying to get us to stumble over the work of God. Amen. Now, let me get back on course. I'll I, I digress there. Amen. But your mind can play a lot of tricks on you. You know, have you ever woke up in the morning? This is just a little extra something here. Have you ever woke up in the morning? You're feeling real good. Your wife brings you a cup of coffee to the bed. And my wife does that every day. I got the best wife in the world. Hallelujah. Now, I'm, I'm not preaching that for no doctrine. That, that, you know, that's, that's not, that don't have nothing to do with it. She just does that. And, uh... <clears throat> I appreciate it. I like that. And you know, you wake up some morning, you just feel so good. You could just sing a song. And I woke up some mornings, and so help me God. I felt like everybody under the shining sun loved me. I never felt so loved. My God, I just thought everybody was hugging me, and just everybody just give anything to see me and talk to me. I didn't have anybody in the world that didn't like me. I just, whoo, I just, you know, my God, this is my day. Everybody loves me. But you know I've got out of the same bed, drank the same cup of coffee, put my feet on the same floor, 
same old coon as I was the other day. And I got up and I felt like did nobody under God's son love me. My wife didn't love me. My kids didn't love me. Just didn't nobody love me. But you know what the truth is? Neither one of them's the truth. <laughs> Hallelujah. Everybody don't love me, but thank God everybody don't hate me either. <laughs> I kind of fit in the middle of all that somewhere. But that stinking devil, he's a liar. You know what he wants? He wants me when I get up feeling like everybody loves me. He wants me to get lifted up and try and say, uh-huh, you, you, you know, you're somebody. You are the coon on the log today. But then he wants me to think. Whenever nobody loves me and nobody cares anything about me, he wants to get me down and grind me in the dirt and get me discouraged and keep me from going to conference and keep me from going to camp meeting and keep me from going to prayer meeting and get me so discouraged until I feel like nobody loves me. It's time for us to kick the devil out of our mind and say, God loves me. I'm not going to be offended. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, you know I'm just talking right where we're living today. Amen. We just all have a little problem then. You say, oh, if I was a superintendent, I wouldn't. You'd have more of it. If I was on the board, that wouldn't bother me. You'd be bothered more than that. You'd say, if I could just pass to this church. Yeah, if you could. You'd jump off the Tallahatchie Bridge probably. <laughs> Wherever it's at. <laughs> Amen. But, you know, we all have that in life. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're a school teacher. It doesn't matter if you're a plumber, painter. If you work at the paper mill, it doesn't make any difference. If you're a preacher, if you're a saint, your preacher's wife, whatever. We just all face things like that. But we would never stand up in church and say, Now, everybody pray for me. I'm mad at God. We wouldn't do that. I've been thinking bad thoughts toward God. But listen, you can nurse and nurture and nourish that feeling on the inside of you, and you can get to thinking, God's not really fair to me. Other people's got better clothes. They got a better car. Their boy got the Holy Ghost, and mine didn't. And I know my boy's just as good as their boy. Amen. And all kinds of thoughts can come rushing into your mind. It don't mean that you're not as good as somebody else. You may be better than somebody else. How good was John? He was good. But at the same time, Jesus was healing the sick and raising the dead all around him and let him die within traveling distance. He could have went, jerked the door open. He opened it for the apostle Peter. He could have sent an angel over there and done that. He didn't even have to go himself. But, you know, it, it sounds almost like he's telling John, I can do anything, but don't you get offended about it. Whatever comes to you, buddy, you take it and say, Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Hallelujah. Brother, listen, I don't want to get one feeling in my heart against the thing. The kingdom of God and their church don't grow. It seems like they're defeated and we term them a failure. I'm telling you, brother, that's not the case today. And don't you get offended at God. Just because you don't have a big church and you don't have a certain kind of car, I would to God we'd get off of that mess anyway. Like I said yesterday, I don't care if you rode a sweet gum stick horse up here to church. It doesn't make any difference. Praise God. 
Amen. It doesn't matter what's on the inside of that coat lapel there. That doesn't make you a man of God. It doesn't matter how much your necktie cost or didn't cost. It doesn't matter what brand of shoes you're wearing and whether you've got initials on your socks and initials on this and initials on that. Dear God, that don't make any difference. If you're a man of God, don't you get offended at God. Don't you get upset at God because of the size and the success and the amount of money you got. You just say God can still heal the sick. He can still raise the dead. He's still the mighty God. I may not get out of this jail house but he's still God and I'm going to trust him all of the way hallelujah hallelujah I'm going to live for him in spite of what the devil says hallelujah some people get recognized and I'm going to say this from the deep of my heart we hadn't heard from some of the best preachers we've got that's the truth some of the best saints in my church rarely, if ever, get behind the pulpit. Some of the best. Listen, it's not who's recognized. It's not who gets this and who gets that that makes the difference. Oh, if I could just realize that he's God. I'm not going to get offended at him. Lord, you raise all the dead people you want to. You heal all the sick folks you want to. Let me rot in this prison, but don't let me feel bad at you. Don't let me get offended at God, but let me love him. It doesn't matter about the reverses in life. It doesn't matter about the difficulties in life. Let me keep on loving God in spite of what happens in life. Praise God. Praise God. Jeremiah got put in a dungeon. Daniel got put on a throne. Paul had a little problem with that, and he said, Brethren, he said, Herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience. Notice he said a conscience, void of offense toward God and toward man. I got to keep a good spirit toward you if you happen to offend me. But I got to keep a good spirit toward God. Brother, listen, hear me today. Your world's going to come tumbling down someday. If not financially, if not physically, if not spiritually, it's going to tumble in your mind. It's going to tumble in your heart. And what will you think of Jesus then? How much would you love him then? I can't understand him, but I can obey him. Praise God. I can trust him. And that's the thing that makes the difference today is not being offended at God. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm talking to you today because I'm talking to precious saints. I'm talking to precious preachers. I'm talking to precious officials today. And if you're an official, I've got enough sense to know this, that you have greater responsibilities than the rest of us have. You have greater burdens than the rest of us have. And you need more prayer and more support because you're in the heat of the battle. I appreciate men like that. God bless those men that serve us and love us and lead us. I don't begrudge them of a day they take off. I don't begrudge them of a dollar they get. I think we ought to do more for them, if anything. They're right there in the heat of the battle. I'm talking to precious people today that the devil is out to destroy and to rob you of your victory in God. Amen. But don't get offended. Blessed are you. You're going to be well off if you don't get offended at the Lord. You hear me today? 
going to be well off. And I've got to hurry. But you know, whenever Job was in his trial and his wife was talking to him, this shocked me when I read it. But this is what Job said. He said, shall not we receive at the hand of God good and evil? Now, that's in the Bible. He said, we're going to get from God good and evil. Now, he didn't mean that God's going to send us sin. You look up that word evil, and it means adversity, difficulty, and hardship. God's going to let the good winds blow, and he's going to let the bad winds blow. Listen, you're going to face the wind and the rain and the storm. It don't matter where you're at. The difference is going to be your foundation as to whether you stand or whether you fall. Amen. And Job recognized the fact that God has sent us some good things, and now God has allowed the difficult times to come. Amen. But you know what he was able to do when he got to that time and his wife said, Why don't you curse God and die? You know what he said? He said, The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Brother Philip said it the other day. Anybody can say that. If you've got a brain in your head, you know God gives and God takes away. But listen, the hardest words in life to say is blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, hear me today. I don't care where I'm at in life. I want to be able to look up and say blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. I still love you, God. I still trust you. Praise God. Praise God. He's still blessed today. Hallelujah. Sitting in a dung hill, scraping himself with a potsherd, he was still able to sing, Blessed be the name. Oh, blessed be the name. I don't want to sing it, so let's, let's don't sing it for time's sake. Blessed be the name. Hallelujah. I preached that for a funeral sermon one time. The hardest words in the English language to say. Can you say it at the funeral? Can you say it in poverty? Can you say it in sickness? Blessed be the name of the Lord. You're going to be well off, Job, if you don't get offended. You're going to be well off, saints. You're going to be well off, preacher. You're going to be fortunate if you don't get offended at God. As the musicians come, oh, brother, Walter Raines, Brother Lumpkin knows him. He's a member of the Arkansas District. He's on up in years, and he's a good friend of mine, has been for 25 or 30 years. Brother Walter Raines pastored in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and he had a Swedish couple in his church. They were, of course, Swedes are somewhat stoical and reserved. And he performed a wedding <coughs> of this Swedish couple's daughter and another boy in the church, fine young couple. He performed the wedding. They took their honeymoon, they come back to Fort Wayne and went fishing. And while they were fishing, they had a boating accident, turned the boat over and drowned both the man and the woman. So it was Brother, Brother Raines' job to notify the family of the girl that she had drowned. So he went and he told them <coughs> what had happened. And he said, I'd pastored the brother for several years. He never showed any emotion. But he said, when I told him that, he said, you could see the shock. And he said, all of a sudden, big old tears began to run down his face. Said he didn't say a word. Said his chin started shaking. And he started saying, the Lord giveth. And he said he stood there a few minutes and big old tears just dropping on his coat, on his shirt. 
He said, the Lord takes away. And he said he stood there a long time. And Brother Rain said, I was crying by then. And I asked him this. I said, Brother Rain asked him, said, can you say it all? And he said, give me just a minute, Brother Rains. I said, wait just a minute. He said, big old tears dropping on his shirt. And through a shaking voice, he said, blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, I want to ask you today, can you say it all? Brother Varnado, God gave you a good wife, but he's almost taken her. This man's... Wife is at home in a wheelchair. One of the best saints, a missionary's wife. I don't understand that. This is one of the finest men in the world. But, Brother Varnado, I don't feel one ounce of bitterness in you at God. You may not understand it, but you can still say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Some of you have got a family at home in a, or in a nursing home today. Some of you have lost your little kids. You have lost your teenagers. Some of you have faced people with strokes, tragedies, car wrecks. The story is unending today. And something eats in your mind if you don't watch it. When you walk in a church and somebody else has got a healthy wife and yours is in a nursing home. And somebody else has got children that's running and knocking over chairs in church. And you can vividly see a baby lying in a coffin that was yours. If you don't watch it, something can eat away at the fiber of your feelings. And you can say, oh, God, was you really fair to me? <coughs> they got theirs and I don't have mine. Jesus, you're healing sick folks and raising dead folks and I'm in a prison. What you going to do? I'm going to tell you, John, you're well off if you don't get upset about it. And you don't get offended at God. I'm not trying to strike a sad chord in anybody's heart here today. But I'm just trying to tell us that this is where we live. I hope we don't forget this beatitude. I hope that whatever comes, we can still say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. I still love you, God. I'm here to tell you, as Abraham told God, Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? You hear me today? God will do right. Yes. Hallelujah. I said God will do right. Yes. Amen. And you can trust that. And you can believe that. Praise God. One time one of Jesus' greatest apostles was standing with him. And I'm hurrying. He looked over at him and he said, You're a robust, healthy fisherman today in, in our terminology. But he said, I want to tell you something, Peter. He said, there's a day coming that somebody is going to gird you and they're going to put your clothes on you and they're going to take you where they want you to go and you're not going to have a thing to do. Do you mean, God, that one of your own preachers, one of the 12 apostles of the Lamb that's got his name inscribed on the city of the New Jerusalem on the foundation stones, you mean that that man that is so great at Pentecost that is such a fabulous apostle that stands among the rank of the highest of men in God's word, do you mean that he's going to get so old and crippled until somebody's going to have to help him around? That's what I'm saying. If you wear a tie, somebody's going to have to put it on you. If you wear a suit, somebody's going to have to put it on you and you won't even get to pick out the color. 
But God, I'm one of your preachers. That's okay, Peter. I'm just telling you what's going to happen. And don't get disturbed out. But Lord, there's one question I got. What about John? What's going to happen to John? You know what Jesus told him? He said, what is that to thee? He said, follow thou me. Don't worry about John. If John gets healed, in fact, if he lives till I come back again, just don't worry about it. You just follow me. You know what I hope I can do? Brothers, I love all of y'all. I love my family. I love the work of God. I love this district. But I hope, and I, I, I say this sincerely, I hope that I've got enough of God that whatever happens in life, I can just keep walking through life and say, Brother, you may have a bigger church than I got, a better car, better home, more money. You may have better health. You may have your family. I may not have mine, but I'm just going to keep following Jesus. I still love him. I still trust him. He is still my God. Hallelujah. Let's praise the Lord. Let's stand and praise him, if you will. Hallelujah. 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 I read a little statement not long ago, and it said, God is too kind to do anything cruel. He is too wise to make a mistake. And he is too deep to explain himself. Long before I was born, back about the turn of this century, in fact, it was in the early 1900s, <coughs> there was an itinerant evangelist. He traveled all over the country and preached because of the poverty of those days. Had to leave his family, his wife, and kids at home. Left them at home, went out to preach a revival. Communication was poor in those days, so he didn't hear from them. Several days, few weeks, he'd come home. And when he got home, back to the countryside, his house was burned. Lying in ruins. And, of course, he thought the worst, and the worst had happened. His wife and family was destroyed in the fire. Scratched around in the ashes, and the story I heard was that he found a little, I think the back of a watch or something, a little memento of a gift of former years. And he knew it was his wife's and that she wore it. And that was the end of his family. Alone, sad, broken, discouraged. Been out to preach, and now his family is burned to ashes. Went over to a little outbuilding and spent the night slept or tried to sleep surveyed the ruins the next day felt like a knot so big in his stomach and his heart didn't know what to do the next night he went back to a, another troubled bed nothing poverty of life and in the middle of that night God gave L.B. Bridges a song that we still sing today I hope I can have the spirit of L.B. Bridges in the early 1900s. And I want you to join me in singing this song. And this was the song of L.B. Bridges. And I want you to sing it with us. There's within my heart a melody. Jesus 
Just whisper sweet and low. Fear not, I am with thee. Peace be still. In all of life's ebb and flow. Oh, yes, it's Jesus, 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 the sweetest. to the auditorium tonight with that same beautiful spirit. The Holy Ghost has brought us to that place again where we can go tonight and worship Him in spirit and in truth. Thank you, Brother Coon. Thank you, Brother Coon, for walking my log today. Praise God. Amen. Did he touch yours? Let's thank God one time again, one more time, because he touched us. Praise God. Help to make us be rapture ready to love him tonight. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God bless you. You're welcome to stay with us for lunch, dinner. Go downstairs and enjoy yourself. We do ask you to reserve just this one room up here 
for those officials who are staying deep with us tonight. Come and partake of the good things that's been prepared for you, a time of fellowship. Take your time and enjoy yourself. God bless you. Next service will be 6.30 tonight in the high school auditorium.